0: hey everybody what's up welcome back to another episode of everything kratom the podcast about anything and everything kratom great to have you with us on this monday morning hoping all is well with you out there i am doing fantastic today getting the week started off right So today, I wanted to talk about something that is somewhat timely, given that we find ourselves nearing the midterm elections. And just to make sure that I am totally clear, this show is not about politics, nor will it ever be. Um, I don't like that. I don't want that sort of division to happen. We're here about Kratom. That's what we're here about. But I do think that there's a little bit of relevance here. And this is what I'm thinking. And so this is what I'm going to talk about today. How do we know? How can we definitively know that there's going to be some some real change in terms of the way that the nation is looking at kratom and and potentially even how do we know whether national change on kratom policy is inevitable or not? Really that's that's the question I've been thinking about. And I kind of pondered that over the weekend. How do how how will we know when national change on Kratom policy is actually inevitable and from from my many meandering thoughts this is what I've come up with it's when a major politician makes it a consistent part of their platform for election or for reelection and specifically you know bringing up this issue that's a local issue it's something that people on the local level or really just on the individual level care deeply about and and it's important to them. But then as you get bigger, it's kind of like filtered down or diluted by the time you get to the state level, who knows? And then by the time you get to national, it's not really talked about. But there are examples where that exact sort of thing happens and, and it brings this issue up from the local individual level to the point where you see national push for change. And so I wanted to talk about two examples today, very briefly, and then like what would that look like if a major candidate actually made Kratom a a consistent part of their messaging. Here are the examples. They're in no particular order. I've made sure over the course of this podcast to not get political. I don't think that it should be, I don't think that it should really mess with what the show is really about. So I've never really shared my political thoughts and uh and my preferences on those sorts of things and i never will so i've flipped a coin because i've come up with two different examples one is uh, on the democratic or more left side one is on the republican or more right side and uh, the republican side came up first and so i'm going to bring that one up first as my example and uh, just trying to keep it completely unbiased here. So the example that I came up with from the Republican or more right conservative side would be that, um, you, you know, Ron DeSantis, I think that anyone who's been paying attention to politics, but if you haven't, don't worry, you don't need any context. Uh, I'll, I'll do a quick explanation. He is the governor of Florida. He has been for a while now. He is becoming very popular, especially recently, and One of the things that has kind of propelled him into, I think, the spotlight um, is his stance and very public stance and consistent message on how schools are teaching kids and how much say parents should have in the way that their kids are taught at school. And you know, there has been a lot of talk around specific policies that he has enacted or proposed to enact in Florida and uh, what is deemed as the culture war is something that he does not shy away from. And um, this has brought him a lot of, I think, popularity and a lot of people who are mad at him. Regardless, that's not even the point I'm making. The point that I'm making is this is an issue that until he brought it into his platform, by that I mean it's a consistent message. This is not something that you're going to go to, you know, a speech of Ron DeSantis and and not hear about, you know, you're going to hear about this at some point every time he's talking in any major way. And if he's running for an office or running for his office or whatever the situation may be, this is going to be part of his message that he is pushing for change in the way that parents are able to, you know, have a say in how their schools are operating and how they're teaching their kids and what is taught at school needs to change. So that's his, you know, that's in a nutshell, in a very basic way, what he's kind of been doing recently. And I think that that is a good example because up until he did that, it's not like a lot of parents weren't, uh, you know, energized over this issue. This is, this is something that a lot of parents have cared about on the local individual and school level but it's not something that's made its way up even really to the state level for the most part, and certainly not in the national conversation until uh, this past year when all of a sudden it just it blew up. And I think that in a large part, not completely, but to a large, large degree, it is because of Ram DeSantis making this a primary part of his campaign. As a result of that, this issue is going to change how schools operate. I don't know how, specifically, because the, the, the other part of this is that if you have a push for something, there's going to be another push against it. So who knows? The result may be the opposite of what uh, Governor DeSantis would like, or maybe it's going to be exactly what he would like. And he's going to succeed in, in his goals of, of changing how schools and parents operate together and what kids are taught. And, um, and it, this wouldn't be even happening as a discussion feder- on the national level if it wasn't for this particular candidate bringing it into his messaging and his platform for office. So that's the example I have on the Republican, more conservative, or right side of things. From the left-leaning, more Democratic, uh, liberal side of things, this, I think, the easiest example I can think of is Bernie Sanders. Senator Bernie Sanders ran for president in 2016. And uh, he, of course, was not able to get the nomination for the Democratic candidate. Uh, Hillary Clinton got that. But Bernie Sanders was... It, it was a very close race in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and of course, the final count, uh, there was a large enough margin where Hillary Clinton snatched the win. And so she was the nominee. But Bernie Sanders had a lot of loyal followers. And I think today, it, most people would agree that he still does. I think the main thing that I'm pulling from from his campaign in 2016 is that you have to think back to that time to realize, wow, so much of what he talked about has become the, the basis of the Democratic Party platform. And the said can be sa- the same can be said with what's happening on the on the right conservative Republican side with the sorts of things like culture war aspects and, and um, the school policies and things like that like Ron DeSantis is bringing up that that's becoming more part of their platform. But when you think about the Democratic side, it wasn't that long ago that nobody was pushing for a $15 minimum wage. And now you you can't really be a Democrat without running on a $15 minimum wage policy. That came from Bernie Sanders. In that 2016 campaign, he was pushing ideas that were seen as too far uh, out of the realm of possibility and Hillary Clinton certainly wouldn't jump on to a lot of those ideas or commit to them but the 15 dollars minimum wage is the easiest thing i think i can look at here because it was essentially calling for the doubling of the minimum wage which is a big deal Hillary Clinton certainly didn't you know say that she would commit to that as a as a policy and as her platform and and Bernie really gained a lot of support for that and i think it's become a key part of any conversation when it comes to workers' rights at this point in the country, or um, you know, and, and the same can be said from the other side, from um, you know, the more conservative or uh, right or uh, Republican-leaning uh, argument for you know competition and businesses being that, well, you know, a small business might not be able to pay a fifteen-dollar minimum wage. You know, insert here. That Why are they saying $15 minimum wage on both sides? It's because of Bernie. So you have a candidate who's bringing the same template of taking an issue that matters to people on the local level, individual level, people who are making $7.25 an hour and who probably for a long time have thought, wow, I'd like to make a lot more than this as minimum wage because this is a very small amount of money maybe, and, um, and other people who are thinking uh, if we raise minimum wage, it's going to destroy small businesses, and, and that's another argument against it. And bringing this thought to not just a state level, but bringing it to a national conversation, making it a consistent part of his message. And the result of both of these examples, really, and this is getting back to Kratom, is that if you are a major politician who's in the spotlight enough where their message will spread, you have supporters and you bring up an issue that matters to the individual like to the at the local level but hasn't gotten hasn't garnered national attention yet and you make it a consistent message and part of your platform and you mention it every single time you're talking inevitably i think there's going to be change on the horizon it's not necessarily going to be the change you want but it's going to change it once the nation is talking about something i don't think change can not happen So that's basically the answer, in my opinion, and through my thoughts this weekend. I realized if there is a major candidate in a political sense who's going to have enough of a draw, enough of a following, and who brings up the idea of Kratom as an essential part of their campaign, whenever this may happen in the future, that I think is going to be when I start to realize, okay, change is inevitable, something is going to happen because now it's a part of the national conversation, and it, it's not going to go away. That is, I guess, my mic drop for today. <laughs> I hope that you found this one interesting today, and that I did a pretty good job of being, you know, unbiased. I, I don't think I put any bias into this. Uh, I think that it's important not to. I really do. I think that we're here to talk about Kratom, and so that is what we shall talk about And, um, you know, just in case anyone here is trying to guess my political affiliation, I'm going to throw you off now and confuse you. And then I'm going to end the episode. I grew up in a very conservative, I guess, is what people would call it, rural. um, And I guess if we're going by religion, you know, it was primarily Christian, uh, you know, uh, Catholic uh, area of upstate New York. And my parents actually both work in different departments of but at the same technical college where they did. So they both worked there. And I've had jobs working for people who are pretty traditional conservatives. And um, and more recently I've had a job also that was working for uh, a little bit more leaning left uh, liberals. And hopefully that should thoroughly confuse you. So I'm gonna leave it there (laughs) because that's what I want. All right, everybody, hopefully that did the job. Um, Really, it's all about Kratom here and it's all about you. And thank you so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.